0: Okay, so I'm going to kick myself for doing this later, but this is where we're at. CK, I need you to tell me about the weather where you are right now. Oh my god.
1: Um, it's dry and gray.
0: Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you describe the gray, overcast, quality, and visceral <laughs> Is it too detail? hot there? Yes, I live in Los Angeles. It's hell.
1: <laughs> where do you actually live? I thought you were in the same place.
2: No, we are across the country from each Mm. other. So I am on the East Coast in Pennsylvania. Okay. And And
0: I'm on the West Coast in Los Angeles. But we did grow up together in the same town. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. And Tracy pines for me every day. She weeps at the window.
1: (laughs) So the weather the past week uh, was horrible. Horrible. Especially for me. Because it was in the 80s.
0: Uh, Oh, no, no.
1: I do do not do well in heat. I'm Scottish. I'm see-through. I'm pale. I'm hairy. I'm not good with that kind of weather. It's dreadful. It was messing up my sleep. I couldn't get anything done. I was stood still and sweating. And it was just pouring down me like a priest in a playground. It was horrible. Yeah. Luckily, the past few days, it's been cooler. So I've not had to have a fan in my face whenever I'm trying to sleep. And I've actually got a t-shirt Oof. on and not feeling uncomfortable.
0: I needed to not be 80 degrees there because I, I dream of being where you are. <laughs> and in my head, it is always overcast and misty and appropriate sweater weather. Minus
1: two weeks of the year, it pretty much is. Really.
0: Hmm.
1: It's still too hot for me. I run kind of hot anyway. So I used to have a job years ago working in a cold store and it was minus 45. There was no wind chill or anything, but it was a freezer. And when cold. you first start you get salopets, you get your jumper, you get your gloves, you get your boots, you get your hat with the flaps, mm-hmm. it, it becomes t-shirt weather eventually. So <laughs> that's why that's why I like. So. I don't know
2: if I could ever have that become t-shirt weather. I'm the kind of person who goes out to LA where Rowan mm. is and it's 95 degrees and sunny. And I'm in jeans living my best life. Mm. I mean,
0: I'm always trying to get you to commit to having our future castle be somewhere exciting.
1: There's a village for sale. There's a village for sale in Scotland. (gasps) With a sort of mini (laughs) castle in it.
2: Oh, my God. Yeah. Wait, I need this. I need this village.
1: I forget what it's called. I think it's in Perthshire. But yeah. Um, Seriously? Yeah, yeah, I'm not making it up. There was a village for sale.
2: Oh, I thought you were kidding. No, it's, it's, <laughs> oh, no, I could tell. tell immediately you were serious. There's a
1: wee lake and stuff, or a loch. um, And the murthers and me were like, shall we? Shall we do it? Shall we make it Casa CK do it. eventually? But no. Um yes. I've got bad credit. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't do it. But yeah, no, there's a, it's a place for sale. It was only like, what was it? I think it was about 180 grand, or something like that.
2: That's nothing. Yeah. That's so doable. I'm not sure if
1: the people are included, but the better be.
2: I... <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't want them included, but if they live there, then I'm happy to just, you know, let them be. Yeah,
1: as long as they pledge fealty.
0: Yeah, that's all I need. Mm-hmm. Isn't it Laird? You could be a Laird.
1: Yeah. yeah. Lord or Laird. Could be Laird. If they call you Lord, then you can punish them.
2: <laughs> that's Ooh. even better.
0: All right, we're doling out the punishments. Hi, I'm Rowan Hall. Oh, I'm sorry. Hi, I'm Lord Rowan Hall. (laughs) Lady?
2: (laughs) Lord? Lord just
0: feels so much more commanding.
2: I know it does. I'm I'm Lord Tracy Harrison.
1: I'm a serf. My house, (laughs) but I'm still a serf. I have a feeling, Rowan, that you would be particularly... I think you'd be the one that had the dungeon. I don't know why.
2: I love that. I love that you immediately get that energy from her. Kinda. Mm, you and it's get it. Co- it's correct.
1: Not in a bad way. More of a... It, or it could be. Or it could not be. If
0: it's not a bad way, I'm not trying hard enough. <laughs> anyway, this is Willing and Fable. We're the podcast that brings you original retellings and in-depth research on the history, mystery, and mythology that makes the world so fascinating. <laughs>
2: And if you would like to support this podcast, you can leave us a review, find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash check out our merch on our WilliamFable.com site, or you can support us by running through the woods like the blurry cryptid your heart is telling you to be. No matter what, we're glad you joined us for this episode.
0: Because you may have noticed we have a different voice joining us on the podcast today, we would like to introduce you to the host of the Mirths and Monsters podcast, the one, the only... C.K. Hey, C.K., tell him who the heck you are.
1: Hello, my friends.
2: (laughs) 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 I can die happy now. Rowan, I I have to admit something to him. When we need to hype each other up, we (gasps) do say that to each other. Really? It's so charming. It's fantastic.
1: (laughs) I don't know where it came from. It just seemed like a natural Scottish thing to do. Just, you know, become a stereotype. But in the best
0: possible way. (laughs) (laughs) It's truly the best. That greeting the second your podcast plays and you do that, I get an instant burst of serotonin. Mm -hmm. You're
1: not actually the first person or people to say that. It seems to be quite a... And here we go for a lot of people, just um, when that kicks in. I don't do... um, voice over man or voice over man is sort of retired temporarily retired for a little bit cuz his throat was getting constantly sore but the mm-hmm. hello my friends thing just sort of set people on the path to this is going to be comfortable
0: mm-hmm. okey dokey folkies. also really
1: okie dokie folkies. yeah
0: <laughs> it's a
1: sort of it's it's uh it's the epilogue of each episode so that's where you know mm-hmm. that you've reached the end of the 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 story, the end of the book, if you will, or maybe it's the, the appendix, rather. Um, so you go from the story to, oh, no, we're back in real life again, but it's still good. Yeah, that's where Okie Dokie folkies <laughs> came from.
0: So for <laughs> anyone who is hearing our new friend talk and doesn't exactly know what's going on, CK is a podcast legend If you like the topics that we discuss on our show, if you like to laugh, you are going to have a wonderful time listening to Mirths and Monsters. It is an award-winning podcast. We can't say enough good things.
2: And while our show is traditionally on the adult side of the topics that we love to explore, because CK's podcast is family-friendly, this episode will be as well. So if you have little ones, for once we invite you to join us all together. For a story.
0: Normally we have to scoot the little ones out of the room, but today, not so much. So before we dive into this episode, we do have one other very cool friend we have to talk about. Leah from Greenleaf Geek decided to keep sponsoring us for the summer. We are so happy.
2: Oh, over the moon about it because she is, as we've said multiple times, all the best things about the nerd and D&D community. She makes custom dice for people who play all types of tabletop games. She has a curated collection of dice. She's got merch. She has adventure calendars, which is like an advent calendar, but for nerd dice-related things.
0: We each have a couple of sets of her custom-made dice. She is so clever. She created them, the most recent set, based on our characters. She made past sets for us. They're just gorgeous. I use them all the time. And, of course... If you want to get just scads and scads of dice, check out her curated collection. There are a couple of options based on our Wizard and the Rogue story. And when you shop Greenleaf Geek, please use our code Willing and Fable. That's F A B L E for 10% off your order. Go to greenleafgeek.com or search at Greenleaf Geek on Instagram and Twitter. All right, friends. Are we ready to talk uh, Mirths and Fable, Willing and Monsters? <laughs>
1: Willing Firths and Fabled Monsters.
0: All right, well, wrap it up. Well, for today, that's us. That's us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Bye. Slant, i my friends. I'll do that at the end. Yes! Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I
2: love it. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: for Willing Mirths and Fabled Monsters, CK, you picked this topic. What made you want to explore Bigfoot?
1: So I have covered Bigfoot before on my own show. Um, I actually did a two-parter called the Bigfoot Barbecue, because (laughs) annually, each kind of Bigfoot gets together, and, you know, they meet up, have a barbecue, share stories, all that kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. This one happened to be in Canada, and uh, me and Finn, Finn the wee man, Finn's my dog, by the way, he's also in it, my (laughs) cats are also in the show, including little Ray Skywalker, who... Wants to take over the world and also loves Barry Mano. Tony
0: mortals. Puny (laughs) mortals. Yeah. Uh,
1: Which will be the next pin. Um, And also Bobby and Castiel are in it. They're my my two eldest girls uh, who are heavy metal fans who also do the security. But yeah, so the Bigfoot Barbecue, you get your Bigfoots and you get your Yetis and they all get together and they have fun and they enjoy. So I'm really, I am genuinely fascinated by Bigfoots which, believe it or not, is the actual plural for Bigfoot, is Bigfoots.
2: Is it really? It is. Bigfoots.
1: It's Bigfoots. So what, when I was doing the research for it and speaking to them, it was uh, finding out that there's so many different places have their own version of uh, a Bigfoot or a wild man. They're always called wild man. Different times. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they would just be wild peoples <laughs> now. But, you know, um, that the translation for a lot of the, the terms is wild men or wild man. So places mm-hmm. like Australia and China and Nepal, Tibet, India, um, not so much the UK. We had Hagrid. That's about the closest you're going <sighs> to get to a Bigfoot. And I was just really fascinated by how many different kinds there were, but also was, they were similar in nature at the same time. So, yeah, because they've gone so far back to, like, mm-hmm. thousands of years back, it's just something that, yeah, just really, really interests me.
0: So, I found out while researching for this episode, I heard a name that I'd never heard before, uh, and it was a, a Bigfoot that was known as a skunk ape? Yes. And it was introduced to me as a name that they use down in Florida, in the U.S. (laughs) And I don't know why this really threw me, because I always think of Bigfoots as being closer to the north, in the woods, in the Mm -hmm. cold. Hairy. If there's not snow, there might be in the near future. Mm -hmm. And I heard this story. It was documented in May of 2011 in New Smyrna? Florida? Don't hate me, Florida. I'm so sorry. And someone was kind of propelling their flatboat in a mangrove swamp, and they saw this creature rooting around in the sand. And they thought, oh, you know, it's probably a wild hog. That is the most likely candidate. Mm -hmm. And then it stood up, and the man who saw it described it as wide muscular, with a hairless forehead and, quote, a ZZ top beard.
1: (laughs) Wow.
2: I was not expecting that last description. No. So, having that uncharacteristic
0: description, CK, can you tell us what they traditionally look like? Yeah. Um,
1: So, what you're saying about environment and things, it does differ. It really does differ. Having said that, they do seem to go from... Extreme climate to extreme climate, which is why I don't think you really get them in the UK because we have the most boring weather you can possibly imagine. Which How admittedly dare you to say that like about Rowan the weather? is uh, yeah,
2: yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> Rowan is taking personal offense. <laughs> yeah,
1: okay, description wise, sorry, that's what you asked me. In the main of their faces and also in general, you can get Bigfoot, Yeti, all that kind of thing, they can range from about six foot high to 15 foot high. What? Yeah.
0: 15 feet high? That's too many.
1: It depends on which one you're talking for. That's three of me. That's like five of me. It's... it's, it's (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so they're in that scale. So the Bigfoot themselves, or the Sasquatch, there is a bit of a different... So the Bigfoot is more the American side of things, and the Sasquatch is more Mm -hmm. of the Canadian side of things. But they do travel. They don't need passports, but they do travel. So... They they are they more likely to be about six to nine feet high with okay, thick, sure. black, dark, brown, reddish kind of hair. You, you, of all the ones that I'm, we're going to talk about, the Bigfoot is the one that we'll, people will be, be able to automatically picture right away. Because mm-hmm. if anybody's seen Bigfoot and the Hendersons or Harry and the Hendersons, whatever it was called over there.
2: Harry and the Hendersons, yes. Mm-hmm. That kind of mm-hmm. thing.
1: Whereas your Yeti in your abominable snowman, which is a horrible word for it. That was a mistranslation from an old uh, newspaper article from the word for yeti. Yeah. Um, Yeti, I think, it was actually two words. It was yeh meaning... uh, Oh, no, it was meant to be meh-teh, M-E-H hyphen T-E-H. So I think meh meant... I think it was mountain and teh meant... Uh, Snow, I think. I can't quite remember, unfortunately. But there was a Mm -hmm. British fella who did the article and translated it incorrectly as sort of
0: Icky man.
1: Yeah. Sort of thing. But it became abominable. So it was... Could mm
0: -hmm. you imagine just walking around being like, I'm I'm the Snow Mountain man. And then all of a sudden you read the first press about you and you're like, really? Icky
2: man? Come on.
1: Abominable. How very (laughs) dare you. It's so... Downton Abbey. <laughs>
2: it is very Downton Abbey. Yes.
1: So yeah, but um, they're roughly the same height as that as well. The Yowie, which is the Australian one, it comes from an uh, Aboriginal mm-hmm. word yui, Y U W I, which actually means dream spirit. So mm. I was just talking about this to somebody else that the the Yowie is about six between six and twelve feet for that one. <sighs> Again, sort of brownishy hair. It's Australia, so they don't have snow. Hopefully they don't feel the heat either, but it means dream spirit, and as while it is seen as a, a physical being, it's also considered a sort of... There's a loose translation, is also like a god of nature. Um, it's seen as a sort of deity, but also seen as a physical, actual being as well. Uh, the Yerin is the Chinese one, over six feet tall. Again, doesn't specify how much over... Could be seven, could be forty-two. I don't know. So the one that stands out, though, the ones I looked into is the one in Indonesia, <laughs> which is the Orang Pendek. So Orang, like orangutan, is like means uh, right orange man, I think, okay. or orange man of the woods, I think. Orang Pendek. So this actually means little man. It's a pot-bellied creature from two and a half foot to five foot in height. So, if I'm related to any of the Bigfoots, it's going to be this one. <laughs> so, But it's actually very close to description to orangutans themselves, <laughs> as they are um, that sort of height and that sort of build and things. So, I don't know if the two have kind of...
0: Do they still have big feet? Like, they're tiny little pot-bellied men, but with the same yeah, size Yeah, I didn't foot.
1: specify with that one. I think they're, I think they're more in um, proportion to their height. So there's nothing that really Like, I'm, I'm weird with my feet because I'm only five foot eight and I've got size 13 feet. So if I ever get thin, I'm going to look like the letter L. <laughs> <laughs> so in general, they do kind of fit a very similar height sort of look. It's sort of darkish brown, black hair, which makes sense because Mm -hmm. they'll be camouflaged. Mm -hmm. The Yeti obviously is white, so it's more like a polar bear than uh, a Bigfoot. That kind of thing. Um, So they're all very similar, apart from the little fella in Indonesia.
2: I love the little fella. I want to hang out with him at the barbecue. I just
0: can't stop imagining what epic hugs a freshly washed bigfoot would give
1: yeah slight downside with that is that they don't really wash
0: even for hugs they're just like big long hairy arm hugging machines oh yeah <laughs> hugging machines oh
1: well no because if they clean themselves off they're not going to blend in with the surroundings anymore there's no body shops out there i don't think
0: do we have any idea how many people yes believe in bigfoot i'm
1: so glad you prompted me with that question <laughs> Because I wrote it down. I did do the research on this as well. And in America, the land of your people, 25%. One in four people believe in big food. Okay. In Canada, where people are sensible, er, just 21%. So pretty much one in five. Huh. However, however... What lets this down is that in America and Canada, sixty-five percent of you people believe in aliens.
2: I'm sorry, you said lets this down when you meant to say makes this awesome.
1: Not no. Not from my <laughs> not from my perspective. More more Americans and Canadians believe in aliens than they do in Bigfoots. Which one is more likely?
2: All of them can be my friend, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I could go with all of it. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: The aliens thing I haven't delved into that side so much, I must admit. I'll be unbelievably surprised if there was no kind of alien out there
2: mm-hmm. it's
1: very big very big place um but I, I think i just found it a little bit surprising that something that to me anyway seems a lot more viable an option to be real is way way below in the fact of the aliens are more believed in
2: I think it's because it's just so much easier to look out at space and, like you said, see that it's so big and go, well, anything's possible. But, oh, I've lived on Earth my whole life and I've never seen this thing, which means it can't be real. And that's just not a great way to live your life, if you ask me.
1: Well, no. I mean, yeah, I've not seen the wind either, but I know it's there.
2: Right. So. Well Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Unless you breathe. Ha! And it's cold. <laughs> yeah, the thing with uh, the the... You make a really good point about looking out of space and seeing, flipping Nora, that's really big. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it on Earth, relatively speaking, while forests and stuff are still being knocked down uh, to a horrible degree, there's still a huge amount of spaces on this planet that haven't been breached by human feet. Because mm-hmm. it is so vast out there. I mean, you could go into a, a slightly big forest somewhere and never be seen again if you take a wrong turning. Is
2: that an invitation? So, I, I think it's an invitation to go live out in the woods Baba Yaga style.
1: I'm going to be doing that one. That yeah. story, by the way. How can Are I not really? do a story about a house with chicken legs? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes.
1: And I just love the the story of it.
2: Yeah, a house with chicken legs, fence mm. with skulls, uh, flying around on her mortar and pestle. She's everything I want to be in life.
0: Actually, CK, you can answer this question for us. Is it mortar is the stick part and pestle is the bull part? Or is it pestle is the stick part, mortar is the bull part?
1: I can confidently answer that as yes. <laughs> I believe the pestle is the stick bit. Okay.
0: What, you. That's what we're going with. Those are the rules. CK Uh-oh. said it.
1: The martyr is the bull. The pestle is the smoocher.
2: We got it right. <sighs> we at, did it. At any point, we could have looked this up, and at no point <laughs> nope, did we. <laughs> All right. So I think it's time for us to talk about the origin of the name Bigfoot, because I did a little research into this. Eric Bailey writes for the LA Times that in 1958, Jerry Crew, a logging company bulldozer operator in Humboldt County, California, discovered a set of large... 410-millimeter or 16-inch human-like footprints sunk deep within the mud in the Six Rivers National Forest. Supposedly, upon informing his co-workers, many claimed to have seen similar tracks on previous job sites, as well as telling of odd incidents, such as an oil drum weighing 450 pounds or 200 kilograms, having been moved without explanation. The logging company men soon began utilizing the term Bigfoot to describe the mysterious culprit who had apparently left the prints and moved their equipment, causing a sense of paranoia among the workers.
0: Big nope. Big yes, Mm. big friend. That would be so scary. Yeah, but it, okay, so yes, big friend now, but if you're at work and it's a construction site where I feel like a lot of true crime things kind of happen, I feel like just seeing footprints would make me nervous. Versus in the woods, if I see those footprints, it's like a shark in the water. You know, this is where
2: you go. Well, I'm yeah. the trespasser. Okay. Okay. My house, your house thing.
1: Yeah. Well, there will be at least one guy on that place that would have thought, well, is he Union? If he's not Union, he can't be here. <laughs> Especially in the 50s. Mm-hmm.
2: At least one. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It's a really interesting story, that one.
2: And after that, a plaster cast was made of the footprints, and crew appeared holding one of the casts on the front page of the newspaper on October 6th, 1958. The story spread rapidly as Gensley began to receive correspondence from major media outlets, including the New York and the Los Angeles Times. As a result of this, Bigfoot became a widespread reference to an apparently large, unknown creature leaving massive footprints in Northern California. Oh, thank you, Wikipedia. You always do right by us.
0: Always. <laughs> I,
1: I like this, though, because 58, because I remember looking up this story as well, 1958 was a time of... When it came to films and things like that at the time, there was a lot of radiation stuff going on. And you had stuff like the incredible shrinking man, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So having the Bigfoot and the nuclear mm-hmm. threat and all that kind of stuff, was it was just... The timing was perfect for it as well to be, to get traction and on it went and obviously it's still around today so
2: yeah it, it was a time of big excitement around sort of that pulp science fiction phenomena i mean it's why you also see a lot of the alien stories happening around that mm. time period the b movies oh, so just exploring good. and exploding with all there's of a fantastic book sort of that
1: stephen king did called dance macabre or dance da- dance macabre if you mm. want to do it proper like um <laughs> but it, talking about this kind of thing and also at the times, uh, it was that sort of thing and also Sputnik coming into play. And so you got mm-hmm. your invaders from Mars mm-hmm. and uh, what's the famous one? The Klata Viradu Nick Oh, uh, the Day of the Earth is still. If you're into that kind of thing, it's a book uh, I highly recommend. It's very, very interesting, talking about the link between horror and society and films and all that kind of stuff as well. It's really, really good.
2: We will put that on the uh, recommendation page for our website. We have a section for all the books and stories and TV shows and everything we recommend on the podcast so if you want to look at that you can go to com slash recommendations if you're into
1: that kind of thing learning about that kind of stuff which i am i'm, I'm
2: nerd
1: as <laughs> i'm the one welcome
2: to the nerd family you're in the right place i'm less
1: D&D. i've never played dnd i'm fascinated by it though um it's it's like the things like uh dvd commentaries
2: mm. so
1: I can, I can quite happily watch a film and enjoy it for what it is but then I'll watch the commentary as well to see if I can learn anything more about it, which can then add to another viewing. I used to fall asleep to the Shaun of the Dead DVD commentary. I watched it so bloody much. <laughs>
2: or a
0: director's cut and commentary smashed together. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm going to utilize this film discussion to talk about the most
2: famous film footage. Of throwing Bigfoot. Knocking it out of the park with transitions as always. That was
1: a, such a link.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I say Bigfoot, not a Bigfoot, because kind of in the United States, the images that come out of this film become like the Bigfoot, mm. as if there's only one option. This is famous. If you've ever tried to look up a picture of a Sasquatch or a Bigfoot in North America, a frame from this footage is what will be on all the keychains and Mm T-shirts and prints you find. So we're going to jump forward just under a decade. In Northern California in 1967, Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin were two proper cowboys who met during their rodeo days. And in 1961, they ran into each other at a gas station And Roger pulled out a large plaster cast saying with confidence, this is a Bigfoot track. And that was the beginning of their search. A short time later, Roger Patterson came back to Bob Gimlin and asked him to come to NorCal because someone had found evidence of new monstrous footsteps. They arrived in Willow Creek, California, where they found more of those faithful tracks, and... They were somewhat messed up by weather and everyone walking thither and yon. So armed with a rented 16 millimeter Kodak camera, three horses and a lot of experience, they went into the woods further than other people were wanting mm-hmm. to go at the time. And it was late October and the leaves are vibrant and Patterson is having just a great time shooting footage of his friend riding horses. And then all of a sudden... As they're making their way through a dry creek bed, Patterson's horse rears up. And the creature that startled the horse is less than a hundred feet away. Leah Sottle, writing for Outside, reports, quote, A hulking, gorilla-like figure covered in dark hair hurried on two legs along the creek bed. Its sloped head and torso were pushed forward, its upper back hunched, thigh muscles rippling, long arms swinging, breasts exposed. And Patterson was already off his horse by this point. He grabbed the camera from his saddlebag, he asked Gimlin to cover him with the rifle, and he ran forward after the Bigfoot. And this is where the famous footage picks up. So it starts out really shaky, and then, as this outside article quotes, The picture studied as the creature, mid-stride, turned to look over its right shoulder, just a glance, before it disappeared into the forest. A skunky rank odor hung heavy in the air. The whole affair was over in less than a minute. And that Sasquatch would come to be known as Patty. (laughs) There was a lot of turbulence around this footage and how it was shared and what happened after that. But Gimlin said in a 2017 interview, and I just love this quote so much, quote, I have so many friends throughout the world over this. I'm so grateful for all the people that have honored me and come to talk to me and share their experiences with the forest people.
1: Such
2: a
0: cool story. I love it. Do you guys want to look at a
2: picture? Oh, always. Yes.
0: Okay, so if you scroll just a little bit, I pulled a picture of the most famous frame from this film, and it is frame 352. hmm And it is our our faithful subject glancing over its right
2: shoulder. Oh, it's the classic picture of the, the left arm swinging forward, the right arm back, right leg forward, left leg back, looking over the shoulder, directly at the camera.
1: Not happy. Really not happy looking. no. But again, it's, why are you in my house? This mm-hmm. is not my best side.
2: <laughs> yeah, in that order of annoyance. Yeah. First off, <laughs> I didn't ask you here. Second of off, if you're going to be here, fill me from my good side. Yeah. Right, right.
1: Is it called Patty? Is it short for Patterson? Is that where it It's for
0: from? Patterson, yeah. from Patterson, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: And I didn't know that there were actually cowboys. I've heard the story before, obviously, but I didn't go that far back on them as such. I didn't realize they did rodeo and stuff together. It's pretty nifty.
0: Yeah, they're actually proper cowboys. They were, the footage of them riding around before this is actually quite charming. It's lovely. Um, so a lot of people tried to prove this as a fake after it came out. Uh, costume manufacturer Philip Morris has taken credit for selling Robert Patterson the gorilla suit that is seen in the film... But Jeffrey Meldrum says otherwise. And Jeffrey Meldrum is a professor of anatomy and anthropology at Idaho State University. And he is famous for being one of the only academics who takes the study of Bigfoot seriously. Mm -hmm. He uses the 1970 film Planet of the Apes as an example. And I watched some footage of it. And he says... That the actors, quote, look like big, hairy, Pillsbury (laughs) Doughboys. And they really do. The gorilla suits in those films just look like big sacks and helmets kind of put on them. Mm -hmm. In contrast, he has his anatomy students point out different landmarks on the anatomy of the famous Patterson-Gimlin film. He says, quote, they start at the head and they can see the trapezius, they can see the deltoid, erector spinae, down the back, shoulder blades moving under the skin, the quads contract when they're supposed to contract, none of which ever show up in a cheap, off-the-shelf costume. And thank the internet, because I found stabilized footage oh, of this, so it's not really? shaky. Some amazing Reddit user stabilizes it and you really can see muscles move very clearly
1: well i've not seen that
0: i haven't either now i really want to
1: yeah that's excellent
0: it's really cool i'll make sure to include the photo on our instagram but definitely look up that footage there's another detail that people use to prove that this is a true bigfoot sighting and that like nearly every bigfoot Citing ever is footprints mm-hmm. enter barackman uh he's one of the co-hosts of animal planets finding bigfoot and he has a massive collection of plaster casts of bigfoot feet he says of the specific footprint from patty quote the trailing leg of the creature shows a great flexibility in the foot there are a few frames where we can see Patty take her heel off the ground, but yet keep the entire forefoot in touch with the ground. One of the footprints showed a very distinctive pressure ridge, a push off that comes about as a result of the very flexible midfoot. And now I have a picture for both of you of Gimlin holding plaster casts of Patty's feet.
2: First of all, can you imagine walking into someone's home and just seeing feet? Everywhere.
1: (laughs) You're probably in Quentin Tarantino's house. (laughs)
0: Yeah. They weren't displayed, mostly. They were slotted in kind of like a bookshelf archive.
2: (laughs) I don't even know if you'd know what you were looking at. So the picture is a very classic sepia-toned old photo with just an absolute cowboy of a man with a hat perched on his head. He's looking up, head tilted down, looking up, holding two separate... Very big feet uh, in plaster casts in a sort of gray toned color. So the pressure ridges in
0: these casts match casts from China, taken in 1995, and Mill Creek, Washington in 1991. So that's evidence used to prove that they are true steps, not the famous wooden blocks that sometimes people say they use to make yeah. Bigfoot tracks. Uh I will say, though, those footprints look too perfect.
1: I was just about to say. See, when you said that the footprints matched ones in China, do you mean they matched the fact that they were actual steps from feet? Or that the feet, the footprints matched? like the rigid, No, or the actual
0: movement of the foot, the articulation, the ability to
1: bend. Right, okay. Because I was going to say that would put me off the idea that, that it was actually genuine having exactly the same species, one in China, one in Oh, absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that, America. Would be,
2: that would be too perfect. But the idea that it's yeah. the same uh, way of moving is very yeah. compelling.
1: But yeah, the, the look too good.
2: They're really. they are perfect. Every toe is there. Every... Yeah, that's
1: what stands out for me as well, mm-hmm. actually. The toes, they're just... all oh, the piggies are there. But then again, does that mean that they're genuine they, they don't seem like maybe we're thinking it over
2: uh, yeah because i mean think about it how many partial footprints there could be maybe there's just two of the really well-preserved good ones
1: yeah i mean if it was in mud then mm-hmm. there's a good chance that you would get good ones out of it i'm not sure what do you think of the footage itself do you think oh. it's patty or do you think it's a dude in a suit or a lady in a suit
0: So I'm less compelled by these footprint casts in particular, but watching the stabilized footage Mm. is bananas. Mm. I will say, I got a little bit of an eerie feeling while I was watching it, which is funny because it was daylight and I'm watching footage of a Bigfoot. I'm not suspecting a ghost is going to pop out behind (laughs) me, but having the detail... You really, the point that this guy makes that it doesn't look like a suit. It doesn't look like someone just wearing a sack. You can see. That's
2: the most compelling to muscles me. Muscles move. The fact that you can see the muscles move and they can identify specific anatomy features. That I find really compelling. Mm. You really can.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm still kind of skeptical of this one. And I'm of the not footage? Sure. Yeah, a little bit, but but I haven't seen the stabilized footage. So there's a good chance that I might change my mind about it. But it just, to me, it looks like a suit. It just looks like a suit to me. It's clean and shiny.
2: It is very clean and shiny.
1: I know they they, they do clean themselves and things to a degree, but it just looks kind of prim and... Um I can't think of the word now. There's just...
2: no there is no gunk or anything in it, which you think as much as they run yeah. around in the forest there'd be I mean, my dog gets dirtier on a walk than Patty looks yeah, in this video.
1: Could have just been for a swim.
2: Could have just been for a swim. It's so funny yeah. the dirt factor doesn't
0: affect me so much because like I have horses they get really dusty and the dust mm. is kind of under their fur when they're far away they still look like shiny happy horses when they're that's up close you're like, oh my god mm, Yeah, you that's need also a brush true.
1: yeah I'm, I don't know oh, I'm very
0: comfortable being both skeptical and excited by this one oh, that's how I live my
2: <laughs> life that's where I, th- I thrive
1: I'm more of a believer than not however I still need you know really good Evidence. Like going to a Bigfoot barbecue. That way I do know I really, that... If <laughs> you really,
2: really, want to go to a Bigfoot barbecue, I will bring something delicious. I don't know what Bigfoot's favorite food. Corn. are.
1: Corn. They never bring corn.
2: CK, have you read
0: any sightings that you actually believe?
1: So, sightings-wise, yeah, there is, actually. I can mention some of them to you if you wish. I would love that. There are some that I believe more than others. The first one I'm going to mention... I don't, Ooh. flat out, do not believe it whatsoever. Not Nothing to do with the fact that it's in Russia. The stats I was talking about earlier on, I couldn't find any stats for Russia or mm-hmm. former Soviet Union, and I couldn't find any stats of sightings or belief uh, in the UK either. Again, Bigfoot's not really a thing here, particularly. Uh, we've just got Glaswegians on a Friday night. so. But the, the sightings here, there's... <laughs> It's just kind of funny. 2011, or 2011, if I'm going to be American about it.
2: (laughs) Is that a very American thing to say 2011?
1: Yeah, well, I say 2011. Or I do say 2021. Or I did say 2020, actually. But I do say 2021. Yes, so this one, I think, is less believable than others. So... Always been searches for big feets and yetis and yawis and yarins and all that kind of thing. So 2011 or 2011, uh, Russian officials in the Kemerovo region—I'm not even going to attempt doing the accent because um, I will offend someone. So they made the claim that they found irrefutable proof of the existence of a yeti there. Now the proof turned out to be branches that were slightly bent. An unclear footprint, one footprint, Mm. and some grey hairs. Now, that could be me, really. (laughs) Grey hairs, a footprint, and uh, yeah, if I bump into a tree, it's going to hurt. So they they said that they found the yeti's cave, they found his bed, and all this kind of stuff, and they took no pictures, they took no video footage whatsoever, nothing, no DNA testing. Nothing of the sort. Yet, they still claim that there's up to 30 Yetis living in Siberia. And that they're actually Neanderthal men who survived.
2: Oh, that's a really bold claim for very little evidence. Yeah. yeah.
1: Practically none. Um, Really. It's just... Uh, I don't know. It's If you're gonna make something up, at least fake a footprint casting or something like that. I'm not saying that the partisan uh, Gimli it's not Gimli is it? What's the fella's name again? Gimlin.
0: Gimlin. I keep thinking it's Gimli. (laughs)
1: That's a dwarf isn't it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Lord of the Rings.
1: Yeah. um, I'm not saying they did but if you're going to fake something put a little bit of effort into it. Mm -hmm. Um, There is another one. So this one is, it's not a sighting as such but it is a sort of a feel good story so this is over to Everest Mount Everest largest mountain in the world I believe it still is Uh, 1951 a British explorer called Eric Shipton with a p Shipton took a picture of an unusual footprint in the snow while he was trying to find a different path to the top because it's you know easy enough to go up to Mount Everest on the well-trodden path no Mm. let's find another way to do it show off yeah you gotta make it challenging (laughs) Yeah, heavens above. But the reason it was unusual is that the footprint had a a thumb to it as well, uh, like an imposable thumb. And he thought it was a bit odd, which is fair enough. Yeti! He cried. Quietly. Avalanches. But he took it, (laughs) he showed it to a local hunter, and the hunter said, no, it's a footprint of a tree bear. Which is why it had the thumbprint, because it had an opposable thumb for gripping, mm. for climbing oh. up the trees. Mm-hmm. So, this leads to, it, it turns out it, it was a tree bear, it wasn't a yeti. Shipped in, made it to the top, came back down, lived a fruitful, happy life, I'm sure. Um I stopped looking into him, because it moved on to a different part of the story. But, there was a young kid who was obsessed with yetis. He was called Daniel Taylor. And he grew up to write a novel called Yeti, The Ecology of Mystery. He's been trying to find the Yeti for decades. He hasn't. He hasn't found it yet. Mm-hmm. Eh? But there's an area that he was told that it would be best to search. And he was told this by the king of Nepal. Nepal, sorry. Oh. And the area is the Barun Valley in Nepal. And because of this, in large thanks to his efforts this uh, amazing piece of geography, this territory here, is now a national park and it's protected and there is a yeti trail that you can follow um, in that place as well. So I just, no yeti sighting as such, but I just really love the idea that through this guy having an interest in a bear's footprint, as -hmm. it turned out to be, led him to be part of something or creating a preservation in a very rare and uh, lovely area in Nepal. That's beautiful. Yeah, I dig it. Although I'm quite a soppy gated heart, particularly.
2: I love that, and I want to add it to our willing and able world tour destinations. We definitely yes! need to visit that national park.
1: Well, there's another reason to re- uh, another reason to visit it. Segway. Oh. Um, so this is on <laughs> my my next sighting thing, and I love this one so much. I really do. And there's nothing in it that makes me doubt it either Mm, for this one. So it's still in this national park region. And it's a more recent one as well. This is uh, 2019 or 2019. So sometimes sightings (laughs) are given. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So sometimes sightings are given more credence through two things. The amount of people who are together at the actual sighting of it and who the people are. So. There was an Indian Army mountain expedition in 2019, on the 9th of April, and they tweeted, which just shows you how far this has come along. Mm-hmm. It's like 1958, there was a, a headline article in a local newspaper. <sighs> and now the Indian Army mountain expedition team tweeted the footprint, the photo of a footprint of a yeti. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I've seen the picture, it's uh-huh. not the clearest thing in the world, and it, but um, it could be. I'd say it could be. I'd so say I, it's more believable than the exact footprint from the, the casts okay. of the partisan yeah. Gimli. Gimli. Gimblin one.
0: <laughs> I pulled up a picture that they had taken from that expedition. Mm. I don't think it's the one that they tweeted, but I did pull up one so that, Tracy, you can tell us if it's real or fake.
1: So I, I'm going to get on to something about the look of it.
2: Yes, please do. Okay.
1: And the distinctive pattern of the fact that it's in single file. Yeah. <laughs> so I I must admit, I've not actually seen that bigger photo. I've seen the one that they tweeted, which is the one closest to us in the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do look like footprints. It could be a footprint. It could be a, a mushy shoe. But it does look like a footprint as well. So, the Indian Army, they they, they, they tweeted the picture. And they thought, look what we've done, they said. They, they were treated with disbelief, with jokes, with humorous replies. Nobody believed them. From the off, nobody believed them. Even though, you know, whatever you think of the military, if the military are posting something like this, you think... Oh, right. Okay. It's it's like recently, was it earlier this year or last year, when the Pentagon finally released files of UFO yes. uh, footage and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you think, yes. oh, right, they're actually doing this. Ooh, this actually means something. So this is what I thought as well. But mm-hmm. apparently not. I'm kind of with the Indian Army on this one because it's a very intriguing uh, picture. And, you know, why would they make something up? I don't know. They're not after funding it or anything like that. But yes, as you see in the picture, they're in single file, the footprints. So, was it hopping? Mm -hmm. Is it a one-legged yeti, possibly? You've seen pigeons going about and they've only got one leg. Maybe the same thing happened to the yeti. But there are a couple of things that's interesting about yetis. Two very interesting things, actually. One, they're meant to be able to make themselves invisible, so they can't be... Yeah, they're meant to be able to make themselves invisible and two they're capable of making their feet go back to front what yeah so they could be walking like the way they're facing they could be walking the way they're facing right but the footprints will be looking as though they've gone the other direction so the idea that they can just use one foot not that how of not that far out of the realm's of possibility when you've got invisibility and reversible feet on your side. But
0: if that's one footprint, it's the same footprint over and over again with a heel strike and
1: a step forward. Or, who knows, maybe they can make both feet the same. Maybe they can make two right feet. Maybe they'll literally have two left feet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The fact that apparently they can turn their feet back to front. I'm not surprised that they could maybe hop. For quite a length of distance. Because you don't see how far it's actually going.
0: Right. Is it bad that I'm thinking hopping creature, like rabbit?
2: With that size of feet? Maybe. But it's a big footprint for a rabbit.
0: No, I'm thinking like <laughs> whole rabbit hunker down, make its little spot, then the next hop.
1: Oh, that's just ridiculous. It's obviously yeah. an invisible back-to-front-feeted, one-legged hopping yeti. Yeah,
0: Rowan, the <laughs> realm of possibility, <laughs> <laughs> i'm so sorry i know i tend to just go out left field <laughs>
1: <laughs> but i i I find this one intriguing i really do find this one intriguing that th- they've got no benefit no self-benefit to this at all
2: mm-hmm.
1: but i don't think so anyway it's it's an army unit that don't do things like this
2: Right, I can't think of anything they would get out of it and a lot of things that they would put at risk for saying something like this, which is exactly what happened, they got immediately made fun of. So, yeah, I mean, completely. I agree that it doesn't seem like they're getting anything out of this to fake it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know it was April, but it wasn't the first. It was, you know, a bit after it. But, yeah, it's this... Out of the three that I've mentioned... Well, one, well, to be fair, one of them was a definite not of a sighting, but mm-hmm. having a, a Russian unit or a Russian group of officials saying, Hey, we found the Yeti. No proof. Hey. Um, to this one where they've got a photo, they've got the line of thing. You've got the very unknown quantity of what a Yeti can or can't do. Mm-hmm. It seems a bit more believable than not to me. For this one, and I think it was a person in a suit for the <laughs> 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 person one, but maybe it wasn't though. I would I would like it to not be. I'd like it to be real, as much as I am a believer in these kind of things, and it's it's not that I'm skeptical. I'm practical.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I would like I would mm-hmm. like to see it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I would like to be the one that is running away in fear from the hopping mad yeti. Or gigantic, oh, I'll let you rabbit. do that then.
2: I'll be the one who hears the story of you running away in fear, and that's my version of trust but verify.
1: There you go, <laughs> two sources that's all you need.
2: You don't need to be the fastest person running away from the Yeti, just
1: faster than the eat other the person. slowest
2: person, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, as long as I under outrun you.
2: <laughs> I forgot to
1: mention one of the the lesser known big feet type persons,
0: mm-hmm. okay,
1: yeah. Can I quickly mention that just now?
0: Of course, please do. Because
1: it's a beautiful description,
0: right? Let
1: <laughs> me find a little fella. Here we go. Got him. Right. So I was looking through other ones. So we covered sort of Asia. We've covered um, Americas, um, Russia, things like that. But mm-hmm. there's one in South America, sort of based in Brazil. So it's sort of, it's sort of a bigfoot but slightly different because it's not bipedal. It's uh, a quadruped, um, Mm -hmm. unless it's rearing up to Mm -hmm. scare somebody off. But the two interesting (laughs) things about it is it's got one eye. It's a a Mike Wazowski of a big foot. It's in the center of its head. (laughs) And even better, it's got a mouth in its belly.
2: What? How How is this the one that you forgot? This is the best one.
1: I know. Well, there's not much that's actually known about it particularly. It's It seems to be much more myth than believable. So I'd like to think of it as the, the balance between on one side there's a myth, which is which we're going to cover, like the description of, of what a myth is, and um sort of like the believable side of things and the story side of things. This one's a lot more onto the story side of things. But it's got a mouth on its belly.
2: Do you think this came out of one of the Bigfoots at the barbecue just being way too hungry and everyone telling stories about that and then eventually it spiraled into a story of a whole other <laughs> creature?
1: Maybe it was so hungry mm-hmm. that its belly didn't want to take the the long-distance route of right. putting things in its mouth to get down to the belly. It just went straight to the source. <laughs> Yeah, I I love the idea of that thing. There should be more about this thing. Oh, and I didn't actually give you the name of the darn thing. Hang on a few seconds. So, uh, Mapinguari, M A P I N G U A R I. Um, I probably am saying that incorrectly, but it's Mapinguari. It's called, and yeah, look it up because it's it's very much worth uh, investigating. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing. It's just the fact that it's got a mouth in its belly. I just find it so rel- relatable that right. people get that hungry. Really. I do.
2: <laughs> I turn into a whole other person when I get real hungry. Mm. You're
0: not you when you're hungry. No. Snickers, sponsored by <laughs> Yetis.
1: <laughs> sponsored by Mapping So
0: <laughs> we have all these photos and all these maybe footprints. Tracy. Is going to want it, so I'm going to ask for it. Let's talk science.
2: Thank you. I do want science. Are <laughs> there any science facts?
1: Let me adjust my uh, science guy bow tie and get on with this.
2: Yeah, your, your lab coat's a little crooked. You got to fix that. Put on your science hat. <laughs> okay.
1: But yes, there is science. There is some science to go with this kind of thing. It's not massively positive for the the, the proving of uh, your variety of Bigfoots and stuff, but there has been some done. So uh, there was an Oxford University Genetics professor called Brian Sykes. He was given clumps of hairs from, it was either Bigfoot or Yeti, but sort of the the same sort of genus if you want to. So Mm -hmm. he tested them and it turns out that it came from a subspecies of brown bear. So he tested the hairs and it matched. So while it, it was a bit disappointing that it wasn't, Ah, we found Bigfoot. It was, it actually came, it, it came to the conclusion that the, the hairs came, it matched an ancient polar bear that was actually oh. 40,000 years old. It goes back 40,000 oh, years. So, cool. so it's, it's actually a combination of a brown bear and a, and a polar bear from way back in the day. So while it's not Bigfoot is such, it's still very interesting. Um, idea that there's a sort of a brand new animal out there, because obviously at some time a brown bear and a polar bear met and they
2: fell in love and <laughs> took in a film, and then they had love. I wanted a science fact, and you delivered the best science fact: forty thousand year old bear hair. Are you kidding me?
1: Yeah, I purposely left out the 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 age of it. In my, my research notes and things, because I thought it'd be a nice <laughs> wee surprise for you, because it's still it, really yes. quite exciting um, that a brown bear and a polar bear had little babies, and um, quite possibly still on the go, because these tests, th- this particular test, were done in the 1970s. So, yeah, it's 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 uh, you could sort of imply that there was they're still out there somewhere. Not a yay, but still very fascinating. I'd be mm-hmm. curious to what it looked like as well. Um, there was another couple of tests done as well. There was actually a bigfoot finger bone. Yes, <laughs> so the finger bone of mm-hmm. a bigfoot mm-hmm. <laughs> turned out to be human.
2: Oh, um, yeah.
1: which, when you think about it, has slightly dodgy implications as well. That there's a random finger bone just dotted about. It's a little the place. dark. Yeah, a little bit. Uh But the, the last one as well. So, there was nine separate samples tested. All different samples from different places. Eight of them turned out to be from a black bear species, which left one sample that wasn't hmm. from a black bear or a polar bear or a brown bear or Paddington bear or Winnie the Pooh bear or any of those bears. This one came from a dog
2: a dog
0: was it finn's tooth from when you visited the (laughs) yeti
1: it was it was a tooth it was one tooth and it belonged to a dog um which is you know surely you could tell that by sight to be honest (laughs) but (laughs) they still tested it which is fair and it turned out to be a dog but so as i mentioned in my own story We're sort of veering off the science. That's the science facts I have for Mm
2: you. I loved those. um, Thank you very much.
1: Yeah. um, I did mention in my own story that when I spoke to a yeti called Terry um, and I was inside his wee house there, you know Mm -hmm. those little units you get for keeping like uh, drawing pens and paper clips Uh and uh it's like one big unit with little drawers in it. Mm -hmm. They have them full of hairs of different animals that they scatter around places that folk are going to try.
0: Yeah. (gasps) Did you leave some hairs Brilliant. while you were visiting?
1: I'm always covered in hairs. I'm I'm covered in, cat. Did I'm covered donate, in dog. Did you donate? Did you donate some probably hair to yeah. them? From this thing on my face, yes.
2: Yeah. As you can <laughs> tell <laughs> from my head,
1: I am very much of the egg variety. But this beard thing <laughs> is Yeah, it's halfway down my chest now. So it's a guarantee that I may be a Yeti in someone's sample. <laughs>
0: But I think that the Yeti is doing a really good job throwing people off mm-hmm. the track because there yeah. are a lot of people who are trying to research this.
1: Yeah, and they've never and been coming up with. They've dogs. never been officially found. Mm-hmm. Never, never been officially found. No matter what those Russian affili- officials will tell you, that they never have. That's why it's still ongoing. Which is why they had to take counter counterintuitive actions, counter actions rather. So, obviously, they're going to have Counter things... SP- Counter-espionage <laughs> from know.
2: from the Yetis. I mean, yeah. the the idea that it, the fact that they've never been found is a great transition into something that Rowan and I feel really passionately about, which is that we mm. do not use the word myth to mean falsehood. We... <laughs> sometimes we like to rock with Merriam-Webster's definition of a myth, which is to say a usually traditional story of ostensibly historical events that serves to unfold part of the worldview of a people or explain a practice belief or natural phenomenon. So just because we call these myths does not mean we're saying that they are inherently untrue and Terry can leave behind hairs all he wants.
1: Mm.
2: And that's still a valid existence. (laughs) I want to talk about something that I found, which might be the most fun map. On the internet, aside from the Santa tracker, which if you've never used, tracks Santa all around the world as he delivers presents to everyone. Very fun. Is that
1: the NORAD one? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we love it. So the the second most entertaining (laughs) website in the world is one that was created by Jacqueline Kovarik, and it is 100% interactive. Founded in 1995 by Matthew Moneymaker, the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization has tracked Bigfoot sightings with some records that stretch back all the way to the 1800s. But it gets better because for the last five odd years, they've teamed up with Animal Planet Researchers. They've worked together to compile the top 10 sightings, and the database is geocoded, which as an IT nerd, I find to be the coolest thing ever.
1: That is that's yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: Trace sent me the link and it's just this big map. It comes right up with North America of just all these little red spots and the top ten that they thought are the most truthful, most easy to prove as as fact. You can scroll through their story and it takes you around the map. It's it's very cool. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I love that. That's it's so it's so much more interesting than Pokemon Go.
2: I feel like you gave me access to cryptid Pokemon Go, Trace. That was the goal, Mm. um, and that's always my dream. And I didn't know it was my dream until I discovered it and then realized that I've spent my whole life searching for cryptid (laughs) Pokemon Go for you. It worked. That's
1: that's really, really cool.
2: It's it's great. Um, The BFRO describes itself thusly. The BFRO organizes and reports observations and directs expeditions to places where the observations have occurred. Through this process, the BFRO steadily improves the size and scope of its collective expertise about these animals. The website addresses some of the people's most pressing questions, including why are there no Bigfoot fossils or remains? And if they've been around for centuries, why can't we find anything more than footprints? To this... They say, no serious work has ever been done to look for remains of surviving wood apes in areas where they are rumored to reside. No one should expect remains of such an elusive species to be found, collected, and identified without some effort. Which, like we said, tracks with them wanting to hide themselves.
0: The BFRO website is like right in that pocket of like alien blog almost.
1: Does it look like the Heaven's Gate website? <laughs>
0: Oh, but it does have a lot of links that don't go anywhere. (laughs) So, yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. I have a bit of a theory when it comes to the bone side of things. Mm -hmm. I think while it's a mild risk, I have a feeling they're a bit like elephants. You know, elephants are meant to have their own graveyard that they go to. Oh,
2: right, right, right.
1: Yeah, I have a feeling that there's maybe a certain area that they go to to uh, keep it together. If it was ever to be found, then, yeah, that would be... Interesting, but you would need somebody with the caliber of Indiana Jones to actually get there and make sure that there's no crystal skulls involved. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I have a bit of a feeling that they sort of, there's a gathering area when they know that it's time. That's just like yeah. a
0: big foot wake.
1: Yeah, basically. Yeah. 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 A celebration of their existence and putting one over on the humans again of mm-hmm. never being found. <laughs> so yeah, why wouldn't you celebrate that?
0: We just found a new skull of a different, like, branch of human, so it makes sense. just keep finding good things. Under the ocean, we always talk about, is the scariest, most uncharted place ever, so... I won't go there. I won't do it. No one's asking you. No. No one's inviting you. You're not invited.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the ocean's a terrifying bloody place.
2: Terrifying. Horrible, terrifying. I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to go there. All right, Rowan, I think we've gotten to the point of the episode where it's time for you to tell us a story. All right. Cuddle in close,
0: everyone. Tuck yourselves in with your cocoa. Our story today begins decades ago in a small town up north. Yes, farther north even than you're imagining now. It is a place where summer looks like fall, and winter returns almost as soon as it's gone. But it's a nice place to live, the horses outnumber the people, and you could ask anyone for a cup of sugar, and they'd give you the whole bag. Except for the children... Like little ones anywhere, country or city, there was a bit of a pecking order to the playground, and it seemed that there were a good few years of free-range fun, where there was no quarter, and certainly no sugar, for anyone who couldn't keep up. It was a fall day like any other, warm by a northerner's standards, and as bright as any day could be this time of year. The children of the small town stood at the border where the town met the woods, And oh, what a wood it was. Dark and dense and crowded with ancient trees and thick underbrush. There were networks of rivers and deer paths and hunting blinds and fox dens and all the fun things that a child needs to have an adventure. But there were rules about going into these woods. No one was allowed to go running about after dark. Of course, every kid has a bedtime, and no one would ever find little Johnny or Sally if they got lost at night. But there was another rule. No child was allowed to go into the forest alone. Everyone, everyone in the town knew that there was a monster in the woods, and to go in alone was to become a snack. So, of course, the children of the town stood at the very edge of the trees, sneakers right up to the line where the leaves fell, and they would challenge one another to run as far as they dared into the darkness. There was a troop of older boys, taller than anyone else, who always seemed to venture with some aplomb, but truth be told, no one made it in very far alone before they turned and ran back to the safety of the field and their friends. There were two rules among the adults, but there was only one among the children. To refuse the dare of the deep, dark wood was to be shunned at recess forever. Little Annabelle had come to realize that forever was much longer than she'd originally anticipated. She'd refused the dare more than a few times when asked, scrunching up her face and firmly shaking her head so that her pigtails bapped her while the other kids jeered, the little girl was not particularly verbal, some would say shy, and she'd thought that she didn't want Eric or Ansel or Rebecca's approval anyway. But it turned out that she did. She wanted to be one of the kids in the gang very, very much. So on this faithful autumn day, when everyone was laughing and testing one another at the edge of the woods, little Annabelle, shrinking in the back of the group, made a decision. No one had asked her, or even acknowledged that she existed, for that matter. So the whole riled-up lot of them were very shocked to see her marching right up to the line of the trees. And then keep going. And going. And going. She passed the log everyone used as a marker. She passed the furthest tree Jason had touched last week. Annabelle went so far that she couldn't hear the shouts of the other kids bouncing among the brush anymore. Annabel was poorly equipped for this adventure. Her patent Mary Jane slipped on every rock and branch, and she only had the juice box she'd been determinedly squeezing for sustenance. The poor girl hadn't given a single thought to the reality of the forest, beside the fact that she wanted friends. But as Annabel looked around at the massive trees and the lattice of branches and shadows, she had a new desire that replaced all else. She did not want to become a snack for a monster. As she'd been told, there was a Sasquatch in these woods. A massive, hairy, ape creature that was seven feet tall, had big, scary teeth, smelled like gym socks, and had long, long arms that could reach out and grab her at any moment. The very thought of the beast was making her eyes well with tears. But Annabel had come this far and she would not come out of the woods crying. No way. So instead, the little girl kept walking. She was loud in the underbrush and more determined with every step, and her mom was absolutely going to be upset when she saw how muddy Annabelle's new shoes were. The little girl huffed a sigh as she inspected the damage. She was sticky up to her ankles. Deciding this adventure had gone on quite long enough, she turned around, to find the best route back through the muck. Only a few feet away, all her small, desperate footprints were covered by massive, crater-like steps. Annabelle nearly leapt into the air in her shock, and even as her shoulders began to shake, she couldn't help but go to look at one of the massive imprints. It looked like the steps her father made on a sandy beach— but magnified by ten, or one hundred, or one trillion million times. Every big toe print seemed to be the size of her hand. She spun around, sure that any creature that large was nearby. Actually, she was certain the Bigfoot monster was coming to have her for dinner, and little Annabelle had the thought that she'd like to face her doom head-on. But there was nothing there. No squirrels. No birds. Just one little girl alone in the woods. Instead of running home to her friends, our heroine gave a little, turned and kept walking deeper into the woods. Every few feet, Annabelle would stop, whip around and try to see the creature she was absolutely certain was following her. Of course it was, her footsteps weren't that big. But no matter how slowly she walked or how quickly she turned, There was never any trace of a Sasquatch. So Annabelle put those soiled Mary Janes to the test. In a burst, she dashed forward and tucked herself into a tight ball behind a log. Out of sight, she peeked her little head out and saw what no child in the village had ever seen before. The startled Sasquatch was looking around for its missing trail companion. It was massive and hairy, and big-footed, and very scary. It moved through the trees in long, loping strides that were impossibly quiet. The creature's fur was a rich, matted brown. And yes, Annabelle did think the monster smelled just a bit. But for all its height and scariness... The Sasquatch was walking very carefully on top of Annabelle's footprints, pausing often to sniff the air or use its long arms to inspect something on the ground. Mustering all her courage, Annabelle stood. The little girl did not say hello. She was not really a hello-sayer, but she tried to make her face seem friendly, even as the beast ran behind the nearest tree. (laughs) And Annabelle laughed. Not a mean laugh, but a startled one. It was a sound she wasn't accustomed to making, but it bubbled out from her in a wave of relief. The monster was more afraid of her than she was of it. It had done a shockingly good job of obscuring itself, but now that Annabelle knew what to look for, she could see the Bigfoot peering out at her with warm chocolate eyes. She took a step forward, and the creature huffed at her and moved even farther away. It suddenly seemed that they were engaged in quite the dance, this shy pair. So Annabelle did what no child or adult from the small northern town ever had done. She sat down on the log upon which she'd been hiding, and unclenched her fist from the juice box she'd been clutching. And with a deft stab of the straw, she began sipping snack, and just waited. Perhaps another child would have found it to take a very long time, but not Annabelle. There was plenty to see and lots to learn about the Bigfoot while it slowly, inch by little inch, began to come out from its hiding place and slink towards her. The Bigfoot kept its head low as it came forward, and Annabelle just waited, swinging her feet and sipping her juice the whole time. When it finally came close enough to the log, the little girl smiled up at the terrified Sasquatch. The creature was wrinkling its nose, intrigued by the sugary smell of apple concentrate and the slurping sounds of the tiny straw. So Annabelle held out her juice, offering the monster of the woods her very last sip. You see... While a gaggle of children, who were never really her friends, stood fearfully at the edge of the woods, brave little Annabelle was making friends with the monster within. For decades now, folks have come to visit this northern town, hoping to see the famed Bigfoot monster that dwells inside the forest. The town has grown, there's a cafe and a roundabout and a gift shop with Sasquatch keychains, Tourists take photos, tell wild stories, describe the footprints they've stumbled upon. But for all the monster hunting everyone does, they miss the evidence that's right before their eyes. I'll tell you a secret. If you go far enough into the forest, following the dainty trail of Annabelle's now adult footsteps, if you make it past the farthest tree where the children play, to where the woods grow thickest, you'll find... That alongside those small human prints, there joins a new pair. Evidence of someone walking beside her. Someone with very big feet.
2: That was so lovely. That
1: was excellent.
2: Oh my god, Bigfoot has a friend. That was so wholesome. A little Sasquatch friend. (laughs) Mm.
1: Oh, that was so good.
0: I think we always make cryptid stories very wholesome. On this podcast lately. Oh, yeah. Like, like Mothman, my Mothbro, Mothman, and my moth Me <laughs> giving
2: Squonk some soup. Because he's just a cold, wet little fellow who needs some soup.
0: But, you know, we got to do it for CK. You have <laughs> all the friends that are cryptids. We got to make them have happy, happy lives. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh Yeah. They're lovely folks. Really. Very much misunderstood.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I would like to be invited to the next barbecue, please. Yes, please.
1: <laughs> well, there's going to be a book. So gonna need guests.
0: Okay. We just invited ourselves.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm gonna be doing a um like a kid's book, you know, that it's got like a page of story and a an illustration
2: yeah, on one page. That's so exciting.
1: So gonna be doing that.
2: That's so cute.
1: And then also writing a book. And I've got so much stuff to do.
2: <laughs> that's awesome. That is so cool.
0: So at the end of every episode, CK, we ask each other. To share something good. Um, I'll make Tracy start
2: mm-hmm. by you a second. Yeah.
0: Hey, Tracy, tell me something good. Okay.
2: My something good this week is actually about to happen. It has not happened yet. After we're finished recording, I'm going to go pick up my puppy and go with a few friends to a country fair with like nice. a cow judging contest and everything. <gasps> What's the cow judging? cows. <laughs> so here's the funny thing. Um, I don't know if the cow is the judge. I don't know if the cow is being judged, (laughs) but also, for some reason, they sent out the schedule for the fair, and every day this week, there's a different cow contest, so I'm starting to believe the cow is the judge, and it's got a lot of opinions that's going to take place over the course of the week.
1: (laughs) It's Revenge of Salem. I would
2: love (laughs) this. Does
0: it have a 4-H portion?
2: I guess... Rowan, you know I don't know what you just said.
0: Okay, never mind. (laughs) I'm just kidding I'm kidding I'm just going
2: for the fried food cotton candy and to look at some cool animals please kiss a little cow on the nose for me if I get close enough to a cow to kiss it on the nose I will do that for you Rowan thank you it's your turn we'll turn it around to you tell me something good
0: my something good this week is very out of character for me. Uh, I cooked. Oh,
2: that is out of character <laughs> for you. I know,
0: <laughs> I know it's not. It's not a me thing to do at all. Um, <laughs> I okay. So anyone who knows me knows that I'm obsessed with pancakes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so <laughs> the other day I made pancakes, but I found this recipe for this like. I guess maybe this counts as baking. I don't know. This apple saute, you do it in a skillet, but it's like a caramelized apple kind of mm-hmm, game. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. I'm on board. And I'm sold. I, Go on.
0: It's not supposed to in well, the recipe wasn't inherently for pancakes, but I saw it and I was like, well, this is immediately going on pancakes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when I tell you, the amount of joy. <laughs> just I know it's summer, but it is apple season in my head. Mm-hmm. So okay, it might be baking, but because I did it in a skillet, I think that's perfectly. I'm saying I cooked.
2: Cooking, baking—you turned food into even more delicious food. That's that's baking
1: is not not cooking.
2: Mm Hmm. Right.
0: You're making
1: food. It's cooking.
0: I want to make it again because it was basically cinnamon sugar apples, but I want to put a little chili powder in it, like a little red chili powder. See if I can give it like a like a just a another layer.
1: I have a question. I'm not. I'm not raining on your p- pancake parade. You're
2: not What's yucking my What's the obsession
1: with cinnamon?
2: I love cinnamon. What's wrong in with America? Cinnamon? What's the obsession cinnamon. with
1: cinnamon in America? I've it's been there delightful. twice, right? And every time I got gotten a breakfast there, it said cinnamon on it. Never asked for it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy that you you baked and you cooked and you love it. And it, I'm genuinely very happy. But it's what? Stop it. with the cinnamon no
2: I will not neither of us will ever (laughs) I put cinnamon in my coffee
1: I like cinnamon in I make
2: cinnamon toast like when I'm making chili and stuff did did they sprinkle it on top? now I'm curious what your cinnamon experience was
1: I just don't like cinnamon on things in things as a spice Mm -hmm. for cooking as a spice when it's being used as a spice in cooking not as a sieved thing to put on a more than ties no
2: did someone put sorry i'm processing that someone put cinnamon on potatoes
1: yes for breakfast when i was in new york oh, that sounds
2: kind of good no
1: it wasn't it was icky i think mean, it
2: could no. be good. that could thing is i just want to really put it out there for everyone listening that is not a, i don't i don't believe that is a standard american practice to put cinnamon no, on I breakfast potatoes i
0: don't think so
1: i've never I
0: say heard it,
1: of it was that in before. new york was it in a really
2: cafe
0: no i used to live in new york that's not
2: an inherently potato thing
1: it was a breakfast no, thingy. I say no. They put everything on there and then they added cinnamon.
2: I believe that that happened. I'm sorry that it did. That does not feel <laughs> like a standard experience. Ruined breakfast potatoes. New York for me. <laughs> I feel like we as
0: Americans have to take ownership of a lot of like American things in general, but I will say I'm not a part of that cinnamon experience. No.
1: <laughs> and as a Scottish no, no. person, I'm not going to mock another country's cuisine.
2: that is a dangerous game (laughs)
1: yeah i mean haggis is delicious obviously and so is macaroni pies which i had some of last week and you can't get them in england it's macaroni and cheese inside a short crust pastry that sounds so good
2: the one thing that we miss that we do not have in america that we are sorely lacking in is hand pies we just don't have hand pies
1: yeah what you call pies aren't pies
2: well, your your are pies they?
1: are more likely a dessert type of thing. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Well, they're... pies
1: here is yeah, it's right, meat. Right,
0: yeah, you guys have meat pies. Meat
1: pies, like a chicken pot pie. Yeah. I do love
0: chicken pot pie.
1: Yeah, well, mm-hmm. that's a pie to me. So pie is like a crust. You probably watch Bake Off, right?
2: All right, Mrs. Lovett. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's your turn. Tell us something good.
1: Um. Actually, the macaroni pies were a real highlight of my year. I've got I've two things, right? So, one is actually visual, and one is foodal. So, I live in England now, but you can't get macaroni pies or butteries down here. Butteries are basically <sighs> lard and salt, mm. basically. Um, it's it's like a... No butter? It's like a... Well, yeah. Well, lard lardy buttery. They're also called drywees as well, or morning rolls. If there's anybody from Scotland listening, they'll know what I mean, especially the northeast of Scotland. It's like a morning sort of bready type food. Mm -hmm. And macaroni pie, like I just said, it's macaroni and cheese inside a short crust pie casing. And you can't get them in England. I've got a mate in Texas who got them because they've got a British food shop over there. Mm -hmm. So I... Begged my niece mm. up the road in Aberdeen, where I'm from. Aberdeen, Scotland, not Seattle. Um, to send me down some macaroni pies and rowies. And, ah, oh, I was so happy. <laughs> They're just so good because you can't get them down here. And it was just the tastiest flipping thing.
0: Did you inhale it with joy or did you eat it micro bite by micro bite? I micro-bite? managed
1: to hold off for a day before I had wow. any of them. Oh my god! Um, wow. so and then awesome. I got it down to the last pack of rowies and I ate four of them at half past three in the morning. Cause I, I just,
2: <laughs> I had. Uh, yeah. That's uh, truly the best time to eat food. Yeah. That's fourth when meal. I do
1: most of my being awake. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think you've seen this. I'll show you this one quickly cause it's a visual one. Someone made me a hat.
0: Is it a learning hat? <gasps> Oh, it looks gorgeous. It's, oh, it's my incredible. CK so
1: hat. The one I wear when I'm traveling. So I'll slightly describe it. It's a sort of, it's not a top hat. It's a similar style to a top hat, but shorter. There will be a mm. name for it. I can't remember which. Um, so it's not an Abe Lincoln thing. It's about half the height of that. But it's covered in um, cogs. I love the cogs, not just because of the, the steampunk kind of thing, but I'm slightly obsessed with time. Mm-hmm. clockwork and all mm. that kind of thing cuz you get to my age and you start to think of time a bit more um mm. wee feather it's got a nice wee key on the side it's got a big foot badge just there <laughs> it has a little thing it's got a wee black cat with a skull on it which represents ray it's got nessie just on the side <laughs> there and it's got my goggles at the front and it was made for me by a merther
0: That's so cool, and it's my
1: favorite thing. I mean, I'm quite happy to. You can just wear it everywhere. Yeah, well, I'm going to start doing TikToks as well, and I didn't want to start doing it until I had my proper CK attire, as it were. I've got my kilt upstairs, so.
2: Oh, incredible! My purple tartan
1: kilt. But yeah, I've got a, I've got a lot of things to be happy for um, recently. I, I was meant to be coming over on a holiday in October, but unfortunately that's had to be postponed. I'm going to a crime con in London in September, so I've got a
2: that's amazing. few oh, things I'm so jealous. going
1: on at the moment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm a very fortunate fella and I've got people who dig me and one especially who really, really, really digs me. So yeah, <laughs> I'm a happy dude. Good. Very fortunate.
2: Yeah, I love to hear that.
1: And very happy to be on here as well. That could have been my my one good thing, to be honest. No, I'm it was... glad it
2: wasn't. That's something that a lot of people do. And I was I was wondering if you were gonna expand onto something more because I always get people. Didn't even when people... think of it. <laughs> I, I love it. I love no, it.
0: No, I like it when people tell yeah. us. Yeah,
2: I like when we actually get to hear about people's lives. That's that's my favorite part of something good is it's it forces us to look at our lives and be grateful for small things that happen every week. Mm-hmm. I used
1: to be a really miserable sod, to be honest. Um, everything was, not everything, but it'd be, it'd be quite easy to complain. Mm-hmm. But I sort of grew up a bit, really. While things aren't perfect, I've got so many positive things in my life that keep me going and keep me happy. That I'm a, truly fortunate fella so yeah
0: thank you so much for making us so fortunate and joining us and we hope everyone listening had as much fun spending time with ck as we did guys we're on an international call Hmm. it's this is so awesome we are so lucky and thank you for reaching out to us when we were new (laughs) baby podcasters when we first started that was a big reason that we like Felt like we could stick with it, mm-hmm. and we're so grateful. Really, um, yeah, so, it yeah. really was.
2: It meant a yeah. lot to us. You reached out when we were very new to this, and you were treating us with respect, like we were equals, and talking about our what we did, and offering to help, and offering to do promo swaps. No one had done that for us before, and it meant it meant You're, a lot. One of the reasons this corner of the internet is so good. Oh.
1: The Facebook group is good for that as well, actually. But the thing is, it's it's like a pay-it-forward thing. Because I got mm-hmm. that treatment from a lot of people when I was first starting mm-hmm. as well. So it's only fair that the stuff that I've learned, whatever level it happens to be on, goes forward to somebody else. Also, the subject matter that you do is really up my alley as well. True. Um, <laughs> holy moly, used to her. I'm very not professional. I'm very on, unorganized. Is that the word? But... Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm in the shadow of people who know what they're doing.
2: (laughs) Uh, Don't put that on me. Therefore, my lessons paid off.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or something.
2: And for Ron and I, it's not that we do everything well. It's just that uh, we we do everything a lot. We do everything (laughs) a lot.
1: (laughs) I should do that as well. Nearly four years I've been doing this.
0: Congratulations.
1: Four years on the 18th of August.
0: But in the vein of paying it forward... Mm. All of our listeners, please go check out and Monsters. If you like our podcast, you are absolutely going to love CK and his cast of furry time adventuring space. Ad- yes, well, time world travel, adventuring friends. Crypto
1: cycle. It's mm-hmm.
0: fun. And- when you do go visit Merths and Monsters, please remember that the Willing and Fable family is made up of all of the best people in this here haunted woods we call the internet. So don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to our friend CK's podcast when oh, you go. Be
1: cool. Yeah. I keep forgetting to say that stuff.
0: <laughs> we
2: got you.
1: <laughs> yeah. We're leading the I, hype I make train. sure I say the things that people like, and then I go away. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I really appreciate it, though. I really do. Um, I just try and have fun, basically. And, um, some folk dig it, and uh, yeah, so I keep doing I it.
2: I think you're succeeding,, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, well, we can turn it over to you so that we can have a a little fangirl moment. Can you say your <laughs> mirth's closer?
1: yeah, okay, so <laughs> thank you for having me on your show. Those who are listening, mm-hmm. I hope I've not ruined a willing and fable episode for you. <laughs> oh,
2: you have not
1: a willing mirths and uh. <laughs>
2: And Fabled uh, Monsters. Fabled Monsters. Fabled
1: Monsters episode, yeah. But, so, until next time, my friends, slantcha, your good health.
2: Ah! Yay! <laughs> Thank you all so much for joining us today, and remember, stories grow with the telling. So if you like what we do, tell a friend. Or tell a foe. And we'll see you soon, Okay.
0: Mm. Thank you so much for joining us for the Willing and Fable podcast. This episode was written and produced by Tracy Harrison and Rowan Hall. That's me. Our music was written and performed by Taylor Ashe, and our logo is by Jamie Harrison. If you ever want to watch or read what we're reading, head over to willingandfable.com for our show notes and custom merch. Or find us at Willing and Fable on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok to join the discussion. We hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast using your favorite listening source. And check out Willing and Fable on Patreon, where we have more than a few surprises for you, including custom artwork, stories, and access to our secret Discord channel. And of course, join us next time for another round of original retellings and in-depth research on the history, mystery, and mythology that makes the world so fascinating.